<clears throat> and we're back. Hello, hello. Zach and Carl with another edition of... What do we call it? Zach and Carl's Book Review. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Donald Miller's book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, What I Learned While Editing My Life. We've been uh, talking about a couple of chapters every week, and hopefully some of you are hearing this and uh, getting a couple of good things out of it, and perhaps we'll go pick up a copy of it yourself because it is totally worth it. Definitely. So, um, you liking the book? Yeah. it's Honestly, I, I mean, Carl knows, but for those out there, I am a horrible, horrible, horrible reader, and this book is actually really simplistic. The message is easy to grasp, and... But thank God the the chapters are really short, so it helps me out a lot, and I can get a lot out of it. So give us a setup on uh, why the why you wrote the book. Why I wrote the book? No, why he wrote the book. Um, he was ultimately well, so far from what I, I've gotten it from it. It's basically his life was boring, but yet at the same time, while his life was boring, which he considered his story was boring, he still wrote a book about uh, a, more, a memoirs of his, of his own life. And which ended up turning out to have two cinematographers come to his house and say, hey, let's make a movie. Make a movie of your life. Because he was a, a accomplished author. Right. He'd written some books that were interesting, so they thought, hey, let's let's make a movie about your life. So Only they, then they tell him his life is boring. Right. And then they're, yeah, they're telling him all this stuff, and then he's kind of coming into, I don't say an understanding, but a realization that he's like, man, you're right, my life is boring. And so I guess the way he starts thinking, and we're on chapter 10 through 13 today, but you can tell from his change of thought, it's completely completely different than where the book originated from. Um, he's analyzing things differently. He's gone to a major seminar that was in chapter 7 or 8, I believe, and he's applied the things that he's learned there into these chapters. And so um, he's basically now kind of rewriting his story and uh, understanding on how to make it worthwhile so that's kind of where we are all right so chapter 10 what uh what kinds of things are you getting out of chapter 10 10 10 10 10 let glance over right quick um there was one really good quote um that i did like and maybe well one point let me give you that let me get that across how in the basic or in the beginning of your life you know you're you know like kindergarten that kind of time period you're focused on things like the shape of a circle or the color blue, or an object like a car, and then later on in life you develop into things, developing things, and thinking about things like job and healthcare and even sex, and it just shows the evolution of the human being throughout your life. Uh, and in this chapter, he got with a friend who did a thesis on um, art, and he was saying how every six months you are a completely new per person physically. Meaning your hair follicles uh, push out new hair, you uh, your skin cells become dead and fall off, and you establish new skin. But so that means when you basically you can kind of look at the ten thousand foot view of it, and it's saying you're different. You're different than how you were six months ago, six years ago, maybe sixty years ago. You're a different person, and you're nonstop um, evolving and continually changing throughout life, throughout as time goes on. Um, yeah, and he says it sneaks up on you. Yeah. That was the part about it. When you're a kid, you're learning about circles and colors, and then when you get older, you're worrying about health care. But his point through that is you don't 
he says, uh, I wonder why nobody else realized what a crazy experience we're having, meaning being alive. Mm -hmm. And it seems like people lose the wonder, lose the sense of wonder about being alive because all of the things that you experience in your life bring you to where you are today, but your body, like you said, continues to regenerate your cells, so you're the same, but you're different. Right. Exactly. But everybody acts like they're the same mm -hmm. when they're really different. Yep. And that's basically what I got out of it. And I think just the analogy of the whole, you know, your skin cells fall off of you every six months, your hair follicles change, your, your new hair pushes through your hair follicles. You just continuously change without even really knowing it. I just thought that was kind of a big impact on me, at least. Um, yeah, I highlighted this part. It says... Uh, the experience is so slow you could easily come to believe life isn't that big of a deal, that life isn't staggering. What I'm saying is I think life is staggering, and we're just used to it. Mm -hmm. We're all like spoiled children, no longer impressed with the gifts we're given. It's just another sunset, just another rainstorm moving in over the mountain, just another child being born, just <clears throat> another funeral. Definitely. Um, key, uh, little little thought about that from my point of view is um, a lot of times in, to our society here in America, we have water at our disposal you go to the water faucet and turn it on you have water when i was in afghanistan we didn't have any of that we were lucky to have one generator and that generator powered the computers and the radios we couldn't even use it so and we got back to the states and we were so overwhelmed with just the fact that continuous flow of electricity uh and continuous use of water and that ties in kind of almost hand in hand with that it's like you're you're not even when you have it you're not even thinking about it but when you don't have it it's like you realize, basically, you, you understand what you had at one point. And the same concept applies to life. I mean, you're, you're living your daily life. You're going to a job. You're working. You're doing all these things with family. You're busy doing this, busy doing that. And you get so wrapped up in life that you're not even really experiencing it. And I think that's what he was mentioning here was um, the experience is so slow, you could easily come to believe life isn't that big of a deal, Life uh, that life isn't staggering. That's just kind of my point of view on that. Uh, he goes on to say, he wonders if one of the reasons we fail to acknowledge the brilliance of life is because we don't want the responsibility that comes along with that. Because if you acknowledge that and you become responsible to that, then you have to understand that you have to, what he calls, face conflict with courage. If life's not remarkable, you don't have to do any of that. You're just an unwilling victim or a not a, a grateful participant. Right. So that's a pretty cool concept. Uh, what about uh, chapter 11? Imperfect is perfect. This one, I think this was a, almost, a, I think, a little mundane. I don't want to say that for sure, but um, I think this is talking more so. He talks about basically the character in their story, Dawn. Not so much the author himself, but Dawn, the character in, their, in the movie that they're writing. And they're trying to say, well, let's give them something to do. Let's give them some emotions. Let's give them some character, basically. Let's, do we have him beating somebody up? Does he have a love? Does he have a connection with somebody? You know, in, several, in, uh, in the chapter, I don't know, four or five times, Don, the actual author of the book, says, yeah, 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 that's it. And then he can kiss her. He's mentioning things to her. Like, basically, let's give this character some emotion. Uh, but I think there is a subliminal underlining there saying that, you know, he, want, he wants that those characteristics to be applied to himself. And I think that, you know, he's not under, you know, he basically wishes that he could have more emotion, more character in his own personal life rather than so much on, on screen. Well, I like the part, and I highlighted this. On page 64, he says, um, if the story's going to be good, Don is going to have to face some stuff he doesn't want to face. Right. 
So if you don't want to have a boring life, you have to do scary stuff. And that scary stuff can be, as you go towards the end of the chapter, he says um, he learned in that seminar that he went to that most of our greatest fears are relational. So it's, it's having uh, asking somebody for forgiveness or risking falling in love or doing things that might cause pain to you because you're rejected. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that cause people the greatest fears. And think about on, on a veteran's side, coming out of isolation, your, your greatest fear is being rejected. So you don't, you don't want to say to someone that you're experiencing difficulty in an area because you're afraid they're going to reject you or make fun of you or call you weak. Right. And so you don't want to go there, so you stay isolated. And what he's encouraging people to do, you got to write your story. You got to break out of that. You have to take on the the scary stuff of trying to develop relationships. We had lunch with a veteran today, who's retired 23 years as an infantryman in the army, and now he's he's uh, he bought his perfect property that's surrounded by a bunch of acres of woods and and hills, and he's all by himself. Yep. And he's all isolated, and he's like, I have no friends. I just realized. I've got no friends, don't know anybody. And now it's going to be scary for him to have to get out and start writing the next chapter of his story, or he's just going to be some old guy living in a cabin that nobody knows about. Well, when, I, when the author wrote that, to tie in what Carl just said, said the, last sen- the last two sentences of that paragraph, basically, to tie in what Carl said, the author writes, I knew a character had to face his greatest fears. That's the stuff of a good story. And so basically that is like, I don't want to say the climax, but that's like an uphill battle that's suspenseful and it's exciting. And the outcome can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that's just kind of what I got out of it. All right, moving on to 12. Titled, You'll Be Different at the End. 12 had a really good quote that I liked in it. I can, now I cannot find it. I wish, um, oh, I believe it's right here. I'm going to issue you your very own uh, highlighter. I have been issued my highlighter. <laughs> I'll make sure if Feel free to mark in the book. Yeah. I think it was right here in a quote on the, um, the last page of the chapter, which is a whopping, you know, 120 words later. Uh, the quote says, people get stuck thinking they are one kind of person, but they aren't. And I think that ties in hand in hand with a veteran's mentality. Even Carl highlighted it. Wow, look at there. Two great minds taking a like. But and it, that, I mean, think about it. You know, we had one veteran, the veteran that we met with at lunch today. He said, I was this great person, you know, 20 years ago. I was doing these great things. That's what the guy said to at lunch, at lunch today, not me. But how many other veterans in our community think, oh, I was a ranger or I was a, a raider. Or, I was a, a SEAL. I was I was this. I had I was meritoriously promoted, you know, throughout every single rank of my military career. And then now all of a sudden they get into the civilian community and they say, well, now that I'm nothing. Um, and that mindset plays along very well with this statement. It says people get stuck thinking they are one kind of person, but they aren't. When a veteran leaves the military, they think that's it. That That's the greatest I'll ever be. That's just the, I'm never going to be that great again. I'm never going to be able to run that fast again. I'm not going to be able to do this in combat ever again. And they are so orientated on just that particular person that they're not looking at the future. They're not, you know, they're not, they're off asthma. They're not paying attention to what's about to happen their way. When they could have graduated college, they could have a family, they could be successful in any aspect of their life. So, I don't know, that's just something that really tied in with me. Perfect. Chapter 13, a character is what he does. This was a real chapter. This was like five pages long. Something like that. Mm-hmm. This is almost overwhelming for me. Um, 
This is selfish. It starts out by by a guy bragging about how much he loves his wife, how much more he loves his wife than he used to, because now they have a newborn, right. and he's marveling at the fact that life came out of her body, and now she's feeding that life. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Don says, "Well, did, what does she think about that?" And he's like, "Well, I haven't told her. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever said anything to her about it." He shrugged his and, shoulders. Yeah, and so his. His, uh, he says, why didn't you say anything? And he, his friend says, I guess I figured she knew. Mm-hmm. And so what he goes on to say is that she only knows what he says and what he does, not what he thinks and what he feels. And in the veteran world, totally common, mm-hmm. because somebody thinks that the other person knows what's going on inside of you, but if you haven't said it, yeah, then how can they know? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's... There are so many people that misunderstand. They they read a text and they think that you're telling them to go screw themselves when you're not saying yeah. that at all, Total right? Opposite. It's totally totally different meaning, but because they're looking at it from their frame, uh, they get it wrong, mm-hmm. and so the burden is on us. I think what it says here is, you gotta you have to live who you are. You have to show who you are. You have to yep. walk the walk and talk the talk. What else? Anything else in that chapter? Um, there's one more point I like. I believe I kind of got to skim through it right quick. So while you're looking that up, uh, he's he's talking about he sees a, in a diner, he sees a guy come in with a, a wife and a kid, and the kid is raising hell, right, screaming, hollering. The wife ends up finally calming the kid down, and Don's sitting there looking at this, and he's thinking, you know, that is. That is exactly the kind of life that I thought uh, was was boring. You know, it's like um, man gets married, man has kid, man goes to work, and and he said, but then I realized that this guy is actually living a story while I'm just imagining a story yeah. because he goes back to his apartment and he looks on his fireplace mantle and he doesn't have any pictures, and he looks in his bedroom next to his bed, he doesn't have any pictures, so he he doesn't have he hasn't created memories. He's written them, he's created them in books that other people get to read, but it's all imaginary. And what he's saying is it occurred to me his story was better than mine for the simple fact that his story was actually happening. And then he goes on to say, after he looked around at his apartment and he thought, he kind of imagined the kids that could have run through there or the touch of his wife that could have been. And he says, I felt at once the absent glory of a life that could have been. That's kind of sad when yeah. you think about it, right? And then then the next thing he said was he wondered, like, if he was a reality TV show and there was a camera following him around all the time, what would other people think about his life? True. And th- these are all motivators that are causing him to start making changes and do things to write his own story. But as he's coming to this realization, it brings me back to so many of the veterans that we work with that, that they're living that absent glory because everything's in the past and so now they're not making new memories they're not looking for ways to engage in their communities or with new people or do the kinds of things that are going to make the rest of their life richer and i think kind of on this little statement kind of is more focused on the author but when he's realizing oh man i don't have a family i don't have kids i don't have a wife i don't have you know anything like that i don't have pictures on my mantle that is his conflict that he has in the book. And I think now that we're talking about it, I think I now understand it more. Like, this is his personal conflict that he's 
oh dang, you know, I, the, this personal, this other guy's conflict was he couldn't afford lunch one day. But then now the author is like, my personal conflict is I don't have a family. I don't have a biggest thing is I mentioned it before is love. I don't have love in my in my life. Um, and that's why he wonders if, you know, what a camera would look like or what a TV show would, would look like if a camera followed him. And I think that same concept applies to vets. I mean, like, you know, like, what would it look like right now? I mean, I did all this crazy action-packed stuff, you know, in the Army or Marine Corps or Navy or the Air Force Coast Guard. I did all this crazy stuff, and now it's just I work in an office. Um, and so, I mean, along, along with that, I mean, maybe at that point, if you if this is helping you out and this is kind of putting a little bit of a light on the subject for you, maybe right now you are discovering your conflict uh, as a veteran. Uh, or even as a civilian, maybe you're just discovering your conflict, and it might be rough right now, but at least you understand what the problem is. Now you can get the idea of how to fix it and how to push on and how to keep going. So, I guess we got pretty, nice. I guess we got kind of deep on that one. Huh? Yeah, good. Okay, so so again, uh, Carl and Zach, Zach and Carl doing book reviews. Donald Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. We are. Almost halfway through the book. Almost. So uh, we got a little ways to go yet. Hope you're enjoying it. And uh, you can get a copy of this book on Amazon. Just search Donald Miller and you'll find it. And uh, if you're a veteran out there that uh, needs to connect, go to gallantfew.org, G-A-L-L-A-N-T-F-E-W.org, and get connected with us. And if you're a, a civilian that wants to be connected or help us help more veterans, you can also go to gallantfew.org. There's a place where you can check in with us, too. Run Ranger Runs, uh, we're getting into the planning time for that. Yep. Kicks off, registration will be 1st of October, and that is an amazing event that happens every February, but the build-up for it goes uh, from the 1st of October into February. So check out runrangerrun.com. And we want to remind everybody, be brave, be fearless, be gallant. Yes. All right. Thank you. Next week, same bat time, yep. same bat station. Yep. <laughs>